Welcome to Ghostwatch 2017, a podcast about Ghostwatch 2016. My name's Coriander Dickinson, and that's my podcast, and so is this. And joining me is Adam Wasserman. Hello. And also Alexi Peppers. Hello. They're going to help give me feedback on Ghostwatch 2016. Today's episode is 13. Do you guys want to do the thing? I forgot to write down the name. What's the name of this one? It's Bird Boy Attacks. Oh, hey, that was pretty good. Yeah, we're going to keep that one. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I mean, we can we can try. No, that was too good. It's I'll just I'm sitting this one out. Okay. Uh, I'll say it now. Bird boy attacks. Okay, Edited I'll, just, I'll add that. Yeah, I'll add that on. <laughs> it's just gonna be like bird boy attacks, <laughs> and then maybe Baba Duke or what? something. Because I'm doing that voice now. Oh man. Um, now I just want to talk about the Baba Duke. So I watched the Babadook, uh, and it made me cry like several times. That's really, yeah. All I know about the Babadook is that it is gay culture. Oh yeah, that's no true. gay culture did that to the Babadook. It has nothing to do with the Babadook itself. Yeah, much like Pennywise the clown, also not probably a good <laughs> candidate for a gay icon. No, I don't think that's I, actually a thing. All I, I see is love... people lashing back against that statement. <laughs> I do like the fan art of, you know, Pennywise and the Duke taking whatever their gay child on adventures. Yeah, it's huh. the trick-or-treat kid. Yeah. Oh, huh. I haven't Was seen that. Was that a kid from another movie? Oh. Yes. I have, I have I've seen trick-or-treat. I have not. It's. I've seen it. It's yeah. pretty good. So the Duke is about a basically a widow raising her annoying child. Yeah, uh, really. And her resentment towards the death of her her partner, and yeah. uh, you know, kind of forwarding that onto the kid who who like her partner died while she was in labor. Oh, wow! So, oh, this does sound like, very oh, sad yeah. and dark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to Babadook Watch 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Only two of us have seen the film. Yeah, I am once again representing the person who has not seen the thing we're talking about. Excellent. Uh-huh. I, I actually have a lot of things to say about the Babadook, but this is not so the right I. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and also, also, I don't want to say them with somebody who hasn't seen it because they're spoilery. Oh, very. We can talk after if you're still awake. All right, <laughs> if I'm still awake. Yeah, you might you might get really bored t- talking about Common Rider Ghost. It's already like an hour past my bedtime. Anyways, in episode 13 of Kamen Rider Ghost, we meet one of the legendary heroes. Pretty Boy utilizes modern technology, and we all get a craving for curry. Yes, in a wonderful... Oh, shit. Theme song. Yeah, right. We were watching the show made of reject Sony Jump scare! (laughs) Special effects spreading across half a century... Magic ghost shirts, pokeballs, and fanny packs. And despite never leaving, Coriander is back. The bestest host that watched Common Rider Ghost has more to say with this replay. Join Adam and Alexi in this meta fun, rehashing a show that still isn't done. Enjoy the unseen with Ghost Watch 2017. I believe you had something to say, Alexi? 
Yes. In an ironic twist of fate, cell phones are killing millennials. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) This is the main takeaway from this episode. (laughs) This week on Black Mirror. Yeah. Ghosts are using cell phones now. I mean, I guess to roll back. Yeah, that curry did look really good. It did look kind of watery. Also, eyeball curry? I don't understand. I noticed that when I listened and I thought I'd maybe misheard. Or misread? I don't remember. I guess it would be... It's just a subtle. curry with eyelashes. It's but, doesn't make gone sense. with all of the eyeball imagery of the series. Uh, I guess so. I really love Sakamoto. Sakamoto Ryoma. And mm. oh. yeah, I had what... It sounds like the same reaction you did, Corey, where when they show him in the hero book... And he's like this kind of samurai-looking dude, but with a gun. I was like, heck yeah. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. It's one of the best periods of Japanese history. It's it's fantastic, because like, with with European stuff, you get like, oh, knights and swords and armor, and th- those are always put side by side with samurai, but it's like, no, no. Samurai are a little later, sometimes. Yeah, and he's he's really good. I like his, him and his whole, like, possessing of the businessman the actor who's a businessman does a good job in that he's he he transforms so totally between like a kind of nerdy um easily excited but kind of embarrassable businessman to this just like ted talk uh mega confident silicon valley guy who yeah he's just oozing charisma he is i like him so much He's good enough that I still remember him, lo these many years later. Oh. Mm. And and yeah, Takahiro just embarrasses himself so bad. He's just like... Because after he, he messes up and he transforms and he's like, I'm going to kick this guy's butt. And the guy's like, haha, nope, I'm not a ganma. And then Taco becomes just so desperate. It's a bad look. <laughs> <laughs> Even Onari looks... Um, embarrassed on Takeru's behalf. And he has no shame. Yeah, and you know, that's the thing I like about Hanari. He has no shame. But even he is like, this is kind of shameful. So, um, no, it was all very funny. And it was interesting. I really like, or at least like find interesting the like attitude that seems like some like Japanese people and Japanese culture seems to have about like dream and ambition. Like, it comes up a lot in Terrace House, which is why uh, oh. I felt like I got what he was talking about when he was like immediately wanting to know like what's Takeru's dream and all this discussion. Because on Terrace House, uh, the housemates, often the first thing that they'll talk to each other about and the thing that they'll kind of push each other on is about what are your dreams? What are you doing to fulfill your dreams? Um, they had this Hawaiian guy who lived in the house and it was kind of contentious because in the end he had this much more chill American attitude of like, I kind of just want to be happy. Like I kind of want to be a fireman, but I'm not sure. And a lot of people took issue with this because he didn't have a dream. He wasn't like fighting for it. And it's like, how how are the other people in the terrace house supposed to support you with your goals? If you don't have them. Exactly. Like they, they would, you know, there'd be like the baseball man and there'd be this intervention from the other housemates of like, we don't think you're baseballing hard enough, baseball man. We, you need to fight for your dream. 
but and I, I kind of like that because that's how I've generally lived my life. Oh, but, what's that like? Uh, tiring, but oh. yeah, in the end, fulfilling. Mostly, I mean, I feel like now is the time where I'd be most positive about it because my dream was work in the game industry, and I'm doing that now. But I also haven't been doing it long enough to like get burnt out or anything. I'm in that ideal spot. <laughs> <laughs> Letting your life burn bright. I am. My life's burning very bright. Good job. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a cool thing. And it's hard to tell, of course, with just very selective uh, media consumption to know how much of a thing it is in Japan. But I've seen it pop up now in a few different Japanese shows that are either like live action, like real real people or fake people and yeah well i know they're very forward thinking like there's a lot of emphasis on knowing where you're going like when you're in elementary school thinking about college mm-hmm. and like what career track are you going to get on yeah i mean based on anime following your dreams is like the most important thing in the entire world but it's yeah a, not a perfect sample group like, I can see it being unhealthy sometimes, because I think that's not for everyone. And then, yeah, to, like, put pressure on an elementary school kid of, like, you got to do good or else you'll not go to the best colleges. Like, that seems like maybe not the healthiest. But it, it's interesting as a difference. And it almost made me feel like, man, I would have fit in there better than I did in <laughs> Canada. <laughs> they don't like, have summer break. Yeah, well. <laughs> I, I I learned calculus for fun in the summer, so that would work. I think they get two weeks or two to three weeks. Yeah, isn't like I thought it was like a month. Mm. If, if I remember my Persona clubs. games correctly, I feel like it's I, maybe it's like <laughs> two or three weeks. But then you also have like like a week where you're like at like school sanctioned camp or something. Yes, for club stuff. Yeah. Yeah, gotta go well, Koshian. <laughs> <laughs> it was a cool episode for that. Like, it was cool that that came up. And then I actually went and I I read a little bit after about like the Satcho Alliance and stuff because I I never actually formally studied Japanese history or anything. So a lot of this is new to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It just never came up in school or anything. So um, yeah, but and- you've got like a Dutch background. Well, yeah, so I do. I, I, I've been to the this house in Leiden where there's a plaque with a picture of when the Japanese emperor visited and he talked with this random Dutch woman and they like what? made a talk about it. That's hmm. beautiful. Yeah, it was like super cute. She was just kind of like leaning out her window and the emperor of Japan was having this like friendly conversation with her. So yeah, it's true. I actually, I know probably more about the history of like the Netherlands in relation to Japan than about Japan in isolation. Which is something that doesn't come up really uh, if you're taking like post-secondary Japanese history courses. Mm. Like it's all just about like uh, Japan specific things. Okay. Like the Warring States period and then you like study the houses and certain battles and stuff like Sekigahara battle and Right. Nobunaga and stuff like that, but you don't really get into uh, 
cultures that had interactions with them. You're just like, oh, the Jesuits and Admiral Perry. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was cool because um, Leiden as a university town and also a town that um, I think that this one guy who was tied into the whole Dutch port in Japan and all that kind of stuff um, ended up retiring in Leiden. So there was a lot of connection there. Like there was a really nice um, kind of festival every year celebrating the kind of Japanese-Dutch connection that I went to and... Uh, that was actually the only time I got to have takoyaki, like, from a street stand. Oh. Except they were making it with pafiche. Uh, like, pafiches are these little Dutch mini pancakes. And so they're made in a kind of similar thing to takoyaki is, where it's kind of like the big metal thing with the divots. Oh, is that the circular one with, like, the, the ring of divots? Uh, you can have one that's a ring of divots. You can also just have, like, a big rectangular one. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that is really similar to takoyaki. Yeah, it, it's basically, it's just like takoyaki, but it is shallower, because they're more, um, they're not a full sphere. They're kind of squished. Hmm. Uh, but, so it was interesting, because there are these Japanese people making takoyaki, but with pafferche, uh pants so it was like these weird kind of like thinner takoyaki which is a neat like cultural blending yeah um, and it was also cu cute i have a i bought a a tile there because like the dutch are big into little like ceramic tiles usually with the delft blue and like windmills and stuff on them hmm. but there was this artist at the festival who was doing like japanese style art but in that style of like Dutch ceramics. So I have this little ceramic tile of um, some like samurai cats that's done in like Delft blue. So it's like just this weird like Dutch Japanese tile thing. Um, wow. That's adorable. Yeah, I really love it. Uh, it's one of these things that uh, I don't know when I'll ever get up the gumption to like tile it into. A kitchen or something because like i'll always be worried like oh what if i leave and i have to take this out again yeah mm. but Just i like having it on my bookshelf but anyway so it's really cool and there's like those i think two different like japanese museums in leiden that are to do with the japanese dutch relations so no it's cool stuff i didn't really know about it until i was in the netherlands and i studied dutch history and then it came up but anyway, what else happened? I did like that um, Takeru has kind of figured out how he feels about self-sacrifice and stuff. Like, Spectre used to give him guff all the time about, like, you don't know whether or not you'd sacrifice yourself for other people. And, like, he'd call him on that all the time. And now he's obviously figured it out because he did it. So now he gets called out on lacking ambition, which... right. You know, fair enough. That is probably currently Takeru's worst trait, is that he is not a super motivated guy, even though he kind of has good reason that he should be. Well, it's like, does sacrificing his life matter at all if his life doesn't matter to him? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It did, it did almost feel like that. It wasn't like a self-sacrifice in as meaningful a way, because he does seem very blasé about his own life and future. 
Well, like for him, it was just like, a, well, yeah, I'll do this and maybe I'll come back sometime. Who knows? Yeah. Which obviously, uh, what's his face? Sakamoto is not impressed by. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then just like uh, skipping forward, there's a bunch of, of stuff. Most of it is, is covered in the last episode, but I, the it's true that the coat, so the new coat, Lord Goemon, who sounds like <laughs> the Uh Am I even pronouncing it right? Is it Goemon? Yeah, yeah it's Goemon. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, the coat, it's true, is not the best. Like, the whole padded thing and the color clashes with the red. I like the kabuki kind of, like, mask part of it, but the rest of it is it's not the best. But I love this fight so much. Oh, is this when they do the, the attack in front of the moon yeah. and on the rooftops? Yeah, and it's, like, yes. all kabuki, like, posing and shuffling and, like, hitting the sword on his foot before he hits someone with it and, like, oh. Yeah, it's, it's just so full theater. Yeah. And... Uh, I kind of, I expected that, like, Kate would be more confused about what was going on, because I wasn't sure if, like, um, she'd be familiar with kabuki theater and stuff. I'm not even super familiar with it. I've never seen a live kabuki performance, but I have enough familiarity that I was like, oh, this is what they're doing. This is super cool. Apparently there are places you can go see Kabuki or uh, like Rakugo that have mm. English subtitles. Oh. Like live. That would be very cool. Yeah, I really want to do that. Yeah, no, it was just like the style of it was so cool. Um, and it was a fun contrast because even though Takeru was doing like super exaggerated Kabuki, the uh, Ganma was kind of fighting normally, so it, but that almost made it better because it really stood out. And yeah, the moon and there's like the fireworks and it's super cool. So I, I really like that. Uh, overall, I like this episode a lot because I like Sakamoto a lot. I like the Kabuki fight. And yeah, it's, it's a good one. Not a lot yeah, of I like. Don't know, I don't know if we get anything like this stylish again. Yeah, <laughs> this is really. the peak. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. Uh, in terms of yeah, in terms of fight scenes, could be right. Well, you know that's fair because like it was so cool. I wouldn't expect them to be able to easily top it because it was also like the novelty of just I didn't expect them to throw something like that in there. Uh, Ghostwatch 2016. I appreciated a butt watch. Can this be but watch 2017? <laughs> Next year. Next year. All right. I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> uh, weird. Not, not that I disapprove, but weird like just dive into McElroy speech patterns. They are good boys. It's a good bushel of boys. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That started then and then uh, never ended. No. <laughs> I was uh, when I first listened to this episode, I was unfamiliar with the with the McElroy, so I wasn't really sure what was going on. I mean, I like I could figure it out from context, but I didn't have immediate like, oh, I get what you're doing. Yeah, I think it was like right after Monster Factory took off, and then mm-hmm. Kate was streaming and got a lot more exposure that way. Yeah, I, I would expect that if one was not already familiar with. Uh, 
Monster Factory in particular, and then, yeah, just the McElroy family of content that this episode would have taken quite the turn. <laughs> but I love that shit. I just kept thinking the whole time of there's, like, the gif of the McElroys in a car saying, hot boy. <laughs> uh, also... I need the gif of Onari answering his cell phone, which with that little out. hair flip, with the hair flip, oh, with yeah. his non-existent hair. It's I need beautiful. It. Yes, it's so beautiful. Finally, the Ghostwatch 2016 cast and I can agree on something fantastic that <laughs> Onari did. We love his dedication and uh, enthusiasm, but he goes over the top, and that's off-putting for people that don't <laughs> like aggressive personalities. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And that's uh, it. That's all of it. Like There, yeah. there was a, a cute line, because, yeah, he's carrying Akari around, because Akari, for some reason, is just, like, unable to recover from... What even happened? She just kind of got, like pushed back by the monolith and fell and hurt her leg and that's she hurts her leg a lot wow yeah i don't I know but... is, isn't that just still the same injury yeah no this is like the one she just still hasn't gotten better yeah uh, but so an actress like, actually later that she like she like does fall and trip like a few times in the future and then have to get carried around but then there's also a time that she fakes a leg injury <laughs> Uh, but this time Onari is carrying her and they're trying to uh, hustle around places and he complains that she's she ate all the milky and so she's too heavy to carry. <laughs> Rude. Yeah. Their relationship is very fun. Yeah. Oh, I guess they've got like a Monzai relationship, don't they? Oh, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Is that another show? No, uh, it's like a uh, Japanese comedy duo, and one of them is the straight man, and the other one gets hit a lot. Yeah. Oh, okay. Usually one of them is much taller than the other. Yes. I see. Or much shorter, depending on how you want to look at it. Right. (laughs) And usually the... I don't quite remember the the terms. Yeah, there's like, bokeh is the the excitable one. This does ring slightly a bell. I might have heard of this once. Yeah. I I love a lot of that kind of stuff. And it, it's the kind of thing where I'm always like, one day I should actually learn stuff properly. But like watching a bunch of Godzilla and Sailor Moon and, and various things like that. It's like you, you pick up on archetypes of, of characters in, in Japanese media, but like don't know any names for them. So it's like in Godzilla films, I always love the the fool kind of archetype characters. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it, it's it's interesting to pick up on patterns, but not know like names or terminology or like actual history about anything. It does make communicating with anyone else about it very difficult. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard to gauge like what level of exposure or actual information people have, especially when there's a lot of, like, internet experts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Well, and even then, like, I'm always reticent. It's like when I was talking about the whole attitude towards dreams, it's like, I've noticed this as a thing in several pieces of media I've consumed, but I'm, like, not willing to make any broad statements because God knows 
that I am only familiar with the smallest sliver of You don't want to talk culture. about how hardworking Asians are? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was funny because Onari spends like the whole episode, and maybe even last episode, hyping up Goemon and being like, Takiru, hey, look, please use this icon. Uh, and when it turned out that it's this Kubuki guy and it was this awesome fight, I was like, yeah, now I understand why Onari was so jazzed for it. Yeah, Nari's Look really forward into to more. Yes. Super fan. Yeah. Which I think is really cute because, like, I, I also, like, I read up a bit on Goemon and it, it's interesting because it sounds like he's kind of like this Robin Hood figure of Japanese history. Yep. Um, There's a lot of Robin Hoody type heroes in this series, which I find weird. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of overlap. Right. But yeah, so it's cute that like Onari is this huge fan of basically like Japanese Robin Hood. Uh, Adam, do you have any issues that you would like to discuss? Uh, no, I don't think so. I didn't. I did not. Um, I did not make any notes, so I'm going to assume not. Sweet. <laughs> then I will call this to a close. Yeah, it was a perfect episode. Goes watch 2016. Oh wow! Whoa! High praise. Whoa. I'm, I'm just saying, base, uh, well, Adam doesn't have any complaints. Therefore, yeah. ergo. So we have to start making more that are an hour long or longer, right? Uh, <laughs> no. Please, no. I, you know, I don't think you can get Heather and um, Kate to, to go for an hour at this point. No, I do not think so as well. Uh, we, we've got five episodes left in real time. And Kate has just returned from Australia. So next week, mm. we'll get back into it. And I'm looking forward to it. I mean, in this case, if you had cut out all of the boys from the episode, <laughs> it would have been at least 20 long. minutes shorter. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I love the boys. I love the boys, too. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. Uh, I'm Coriander Dickinson. You can find me on Twitter at Absalar. Uh, I'm Adam Wasserman. You can find me on Twitter at, at Gold Sarcasmium. And I'm Alexi Peppers, and you can find me on Twitter at AM Peppers. Right. Bye. 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 Bye.